Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Affiliate Buzz, the longest-running program on affiliate marketing. James and Arlene Martell are here to inspire, inform, and motivate you with expert insight, interviews, and information that will increase your bottom line. Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. Now, please welcome James and Arlene. Hi, it's James Bartell here, and yes, welcome to edition number 431 of the Affiliate Buzz, where we've been keeping affiliates inspired, informed, and motivated to succeed with affiliate programs since 2003. If you're joining us live here today on Cranberry.fm, it's great to have you with us. If you're joining us through a podcast on your smartphone, tablet, computer, or Wi-Fi radio, a very special welcome to you as well. Arlene is away today, however, not to worry, because I do have a very special guest joining us, Andrew B. Gordon, a CPA and attorney from the Gordon Law Group, and we're going to be talking about what merchants, affiliates, and bloggers must know about the FTC disclosure guidelines. And I'm going to talk to Andrew about as a as an affiliate, a blogger, a podcaster, a publisher, what we need to disclose to our visitors about our relationship with the merchants who are paying us. And we're also going to talk a little bit about what an advertiser responsibility is in the mix, uh, including uh, what their responsibilities are for what their affiliates uh, say about them, and a whole bunch more. Now, Andrew Gordon is a CPA and attorney, uh, graduating from the University of Illinois with a BA and master's degree in accounting, and a law degree from Chicago-Kent College of Law. Andrew previously worked in tax at the Big Four public accounting firm and clerked at the IRS office of chief counsel during law school. Andrew concentrates his legal work in the areas of tax controversies and compliance, corporate litigation, and FTC litigation and compliance. Andrew, welcome to the Affiliate Buzz. Well, thank you very much, James. Hey, it was great to uh, to meet up with you uh, in Chicago. There, of course, uh, our paths crossed at the uh, at the Share a Sale Think Tank. Uh, did you enjoy uh, Did you enjoy the event? Yeah, no, it was a, a great event. Um, small group, which is sometimes nice to, to have the intimacy to get to meet a lot of new different people. Um, so it was, it was a good event. Excited to go yeah. as well. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well, big time. Uh, good, and you're right about the uh, the small smallness of the event. I guess there's probably three, maybe three fifty, four hundred people there, and uh, it's nice. And as we're about to head into New York City in ten days uh, for Summit, which will have somewhere between five and six thousand people in attendance, which is a whole different uh, event, uh, different dynamics, of course, just because of the sheer number of people. Plus, we're uh, tucked in the middle of New York City, so that'll be uh, that'll be a great time. So now, before we dig in, would you please uh, take a minute uh, or a couple minutes, if you may, and uh, share with us and for our listeners uh, a little bit about your background in the professional world? Sure. Thank you. Uh, So I'm an attorney at the Gordon Law Group, which is a law firm uh, based in one of the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, Although we're based in Chicago, we represent clients uh, nationwide uh, with a strong concentration on affiliates and internet marketing. Uh, We represent advertisers, affiliates, networks. 
um, in, in all different facets, um, including FTC actions. Uh, we've actually uh, represented quite a few people and companies uh, in the last few years in actions, so we've got some uh, hands-on experience. And as a result of that, we also uh, help affiliates and Internet marketers in general uh, with more of the compliance. Now, learning we have from litigation, how can uh, marketers be more proactive uh, to prevent these things from occurring? Yeah, and we've all, I guess, heard the horror stories of big fines and even jail time, uh, jail time for some of them in the industry. So, of course, it's important that uh, we do things right. We want to avoid that. Nobody wants to go through that, whether it be a merchant, uh, an affiliate, uh, a network, or blogger. What? Uh, let's start at the very basics in the beginning, if we could. Could you describe? Give us a little background on when this began, the FTC guidelines, primarily for the affiliate marketing industry. Give us a little bit of a background on how that began, and, and tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, the the big uh, beast here is really the FTC. Um, while there are state guidelines and uh, state attorney generals uh, do get involved in these types of actions, the one that people are most concerned with in many cases is the FTC. Um, not to say that the state shouldn't be a concern as well, but for purposes of our conversation, let's talk about the FTC, especially because our listeners are nationwide as well. Uh, the FTC Act has actually been around for quite some time, and the, the Federal Trade Commission uh, has a number of jobs, but one of their primary roles is to prevent unfair competition and unfair or deceptive acts uh, in the practices affecting commerce, so generally advertising um, and deceptive acts uh, to entice buyers to purchase products and, and do certain things. So the FTC has had broad power to do these things for quite some time. Uh, the FTC Act was initially enacted actually in 1914, so over 100 years ago. Um, mm. But especially in the realm of affiliate advertising, there's been much more focus and fortunately some more clear guidelines as to what uh, in a more modern world uh, clear and prominent disclosures, for example, means. And even in new areas like native advertising, uh, there's been developments and guidelines issued uh, by the FTC, and a lot of these things have occurred in the last couple of years. Um, so although the FTC has generally been protecting consumers, um, and you know there have been lawsuits against affiliates and networks for several years now, a lot of the guidelines um, are quite recent. Now, with these guidelines, I remember reading up on them. It's got to be... Three, four, five years ago, when this started to become a big deal, everybody was talking about it. I know the uh, the 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 our watchdog in the industry was talking about it a lot, and all of a sudden, everybody is putting on these little disclosures on their website, but nobody really had honestly a clue how far we needed to take it. Yeah what we needed to say, where we needed to put it on the site. I, you know, there's a lot of confusion there, and there really, there really still is in the industry. Could you talk to that a little bit about a little bit about that? Because, quite frankly, a lot of affiliates just don't know where to put it and what to say, and you know, how do we tackle this? Sure, and you know, it, it really varies by the type of media, but there's some general guidelines um, that are, have also been expressed by the FTC in both their uh, guidelines and also in litigation. But just some general takeaways is uh, any of the disclaimers should be clear and unambiguous in their language. So, you know, if uh, if you're trying to disclaim that the product is a rebill, it has to be very clear that you will be recharged 30 days with a certain amount. If it's an endorsement, uh, you have to be clear and identify that you are given a certain product for free uh, in order to provide a review. 
So although it depends by media, the real takeaway is that the, the language has to be clear and unambiguous. In addition, it has to be as close to, as possible uh, to the ad. So if it's a video, um, you know, it should be long enough and uh, prominent in the video such that you could read it. Um, if it's just a ad on a website, um, disclaimer needs to be right by the call to action. If there's a button, um, it needs to be as close as possible. And a lot of these guidelines aren't explicit um, from, from the FTC, but rather just general. Um, other types of things that people try to get away with, the font and the color has to be mm -hmm. easy to read. Uh, you, you can't hide it. Again, it goes back to the, the original tenant that it has to be clear uh, and unambiguous. Um, audio. So if it's a podcast and you're receiving an endorsement, uh, you need an audio disclosure as well. So um, those are just a couple things. But in general, uh, it has to be sufficient enough to uh, advise the, the listener or the viewer such that they can make uh, an, an adequate decision as to the purchase of the product. Um, they can't be unfairly or deceptively targeted, is what the FTC is, is working against. So, okay, so that's pretty, that's very clear for, for a website where we've got control. Uh, uh, and I guess a lot of affiliates are going to squirm a little bit about that, but it makes sense. And really, to be clear and unambiguous and to get it as close as possible to the ad, uh, not hiding it behind a colored font, that type of thing. That makes that makes sense. And I can tell you, I got some work to do on my site just hearing that. Uh, and I would imagine a lot of affiliates probably do. Where, where, how, how aggressive is the FTC going after? Maybe even the smaller guys. So you know, it, it really depends, and that's a question that I'm often asked. Uh, we've represented individuals who have made in the order of tens of thousands of dollars of profit. We've uh, represented individuals who have made millions. So being small or being large isn't necessarily a, uh, while it's a factor, it's not decisive in whether or not uh, you're going to be, quote, unquote, targeted uh, by the FTC. So let's talk about the advertiser for a moment, uh, or maybe let's, let's put the advertiser, I guess, in the network where we put them in the same in the same conversation, or, or do we separate them? How how is the FTC? Actually, let's take them apart. So you have an advertiser, of course, they've sure. got hundreds of affiliates, maybe thousands of affiliates, maybe tens of thousands of affiliates, and a lot of times the advertiser has little to no control, really, just because it kind of gets away on them, I would think, of what the what the affiliate is actually saying. What what does the advertiser need to be aware of? Yeah, and, you know, that's a great question. And unfortunately, although the the network may not believe or the advertiser believe they have control uh, of the overall end product, they are still responsible. The FTC has really gone after all elements of the chain. Um, so, the, you know, the, the direct advertisers, the networks, um, affiliates, they, they go potentially after everyone. And I think we could even look to some recent cases. Uh, and this is a recent case that I think might be interesting to the to listeners as well, is uh, the Warner Warner Brothers recently settled a case with the FTC, actually, uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, while mm -hmm. it was previously being litigated, it was recently settled. Um, and in this case, Warner Brothers was held responsible for inadequate disclosures of its influent influencers um, when they were posting videos, playing video games that Warner Brothers created. So we've got individuals on YouTube, influencers, uh, posting videos of them playing a video game provided uh, created by Warner Brothers 
and Warner Brothers is being held responsible for the inadequacy of the disclosures of the actual YouTubers, people playing the video games. So that's an example of the, the actual company being held responsible, although they may not have direct, um, or they may not believe they have direct control over their influencers, uh, the FTC is finding them responsible because it's not whether or not uh, they knew of the actions of those influencers, that they didn't uh, follow the FTC's guidelines on disclosures of their endorsement, but that they should have known. And so that Warner Brothers could have taken steps to ensure that their influencers were actually abiding by it. And so they were also held responsible in this case. Um, it's not to say sometimes directly the influencers aren't targets of investigations or suits, um, but, it, but it's just an example of the FTC working its way up the chain as well um, and not finding that just because you don't know what your influencers are publishing or you're not, you're, you can't control, quote-unquote, their disclosures, uh, that you won't be responsible. That's a very interesting example, and uh, in the affiliate space, we don't. It, the word influencers is just starting to creep in. I noticed that, and the gaming world is interesting because I've got a son, older son, who's into it, uh, loves it, and he's kind of given me a glimpse at it. So when you're saying influencer, so let me just see if I got this right. You've got a gamer who's probably high profile. He has an audience that will actually possibly watches him play that game. I know because in, in my son's case, that's what happens. You've got, you've got a gamer who's extremely good at the game and literally thousands of people will be logged in to watch him play. He's not actually selling the game, endorsing it, right. but is, he's influencing the audience to that game. Is that, is that where that is? So that's exactly it. And so in this specific Warner Brothers case, uh, it was a very popular, I think I'm pronouncing it right, PewDiePie. Uh, who has millions of followers, and the, the one video in question actually was viewed more than 3.7 million times. Uh, so yes, it was not an individual speaking necessarily about how great the game was, but merely just a video of them playing the game and not disclosing yeah. that they were compensated in order to... to Isn't that uh, interesting? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Now I'm here with Andrew B. Gordon, a CPA and attorney from the uh, Gordon Law Group. And when we return, I'll ask uh, Gordon to talk a little bit about uh, the FTC disclosure as it relates to social media and other places that our content might reside. We'll be right back. More affiliate buzz coming up after we hear from our sponsors. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E digital.com. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers and engage with us anytime by following us on all major social platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn, so you can reach us before and after every program. We also feature our new live real-time chat room located on our new social shareable live streaming player. Engage with our hosts and listeners like you during every live and recorded program. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Where affiliate marketing gets its buzz and mobile has its presence. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. Time now to hear some more affiliate buzz. Here's James and Arlene. Arlene is away today, but I'm here with Andrew Gordon, CPA and attorney from the Gordon Law Group. Now, before we talk about uh, content on other sites, let me ask, let's go back to the Warner Brothers case for a second, sure. if we could. What 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 would the relationship between the gamer and Warner Brothers, would it, what, what, what is that relationship? Is it an affiliate relationship? How, what is that relationship? Well, um, you know, I, I think they were being directly paid by Warner Brothers, um, so I would... You know, I would consider influencers analogous to, in many cases, to affiliates. So in this case, yeah, we've got uh, affiliates or those that are directly publishing the content. Um, and nevertheless, Warner Brothers being held responsible for their lack of disclosures. Okay, okay. So in that particular case, what should have Warner Brothers done? I guess we go back to the clear and uh, unambiguous, close as possible to the video analogy. Right. So, you know, in, in the video, for example, and the FTC even gives clear, dis- and these are what would be referred to as native ads, ads that look very similar to just a normal um, either video or news article, but in, in fact, they are uh, endorsements or ads. And so even the FTC in the realm of videos gives some very clear, or not necessarily clear, but gives some guidelines as to what individuals should do. So, for example, if you're on YouTube, um, and this is, it was also the case in the Warner Brothers case, um, if you have a YouTube video, just placing in the comments that you were paid or that this is sponsored con- uh, content or that you received the item for free, placing it in the comments or the description is not, not adequate. Uh, it should be in the beginning of the video. If it's written, again, it needs to be on screen long enough such that the viewers can read it um, or spoken, spoken <laughs> slowly enough uh, <laughs> so that someone can actually listen to it. Um, but it, it needs to be uh, clear and prominent as well. 
So, you know, the, the media does have an effect. Again, because it's YouTube and on a video, just placing it in the description won't do it in the, in the FTC's eyes. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So then the advertiser, let's go back to the advertiser again for a moment, who has, let's say they have a thousand affiliates, and you, you clearly said, same with the network, they have a responsibility in the chain to making sure that, I guess, their affiliates are disclosing properly uh, the relationship. Uh, what what problems have you seen specifically the advertisers run into? So, you know, it, it really depends on a case-by-case basis as, as well. Um, but just making sure that they can monitor and, for example, approval of uh, the content as well. Um, the advertisers being able to approve, um, you know, if it's a video or if it's an ad, and making sure that the disclosure is there is a very important uh, piece of the, uh, the puzzle. And the FTC will hold them to that standard that they should uh be able to approve and do so accurately as well. Uh, in the Warner's Brothers case, uh, they actually did approve uh, some of their influencers. And they, uh, however, that even those approvals lacked the adequate disclosure. So, um, even just having the ability to approve a review um, isn't necessarily enough. You actually, the advertiser needs to follow the FTC guidelines in that process to make sure uh, that what's going out there is adequate. So you can see this adds quite a layer of management to an affiliate program. A lot of um, advertisers, especially littler ones, will wonder if they need to have a full-time affiliate manager or if they should hire themselves uh, an outsourced program manager, maybe an agency, somebody to help them manage their affiliate program. I guess this probably clearly answers the question uh, to that effect. Plus, those uh, merchants, and it's less and less these days that just auto-approve every affiliate, I guess... uh, you wouldn't recommend that? Absolutely. And, you know, as, as I think it was a few years back, but there was a number of uh, text message spam cases uh, that came out. And we were involved in some of those as well. Um, and the networks, again, were held responsible and required to, going forward, uh, have certain identification information on their affiliates such that if there is spam or something occurring, these individuals can be identified and uh, put a stop to it. Um, but yes, unfortunately, it's it's very, I won't say necessarily common, but it happens that affiliates are just pre-approved or the necessary diligence doesn't occur in the affiliate program. So I think, you know, your suggestion of outsourcing uh, the program or compliance is important for advertisers. It's not as easy as just saying, well, you know, if you want to be an affiliate, uh, sign up and sell our product and we'll give you a commission. Yeah, it seems like those days are uh, long gone, and by the sounds of it, uh, rightly so. I can see uh, we are up against another break. Again, I'm here with Andrew B. Gordon, CPA and attorney at the Gordon, uh, Gordon Law Group. And when we return, then I will, we will hopefully get into uh, talking about what I'm most interested in, Andrew, is talking about social networking sites and how sure. this applies to that. So we'll do that and more right after the break. More affiliate buzz coming up after we hear from our sponsors. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. 
the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. Time now to hear some more affiliate buzz. Here's James and Arlene. Arlene is away today, but I am here with Andrew Gordon, CPA and attorney for the Gordon Law Group. Let's talk about, uh, if we could, Andrew, social networking sites. We've got Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Periscope, Instagram. I mean, the list goes on and on. And content, of course, is being published there and other places as well. I guess disclosure is just as important uh, in those areas as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about YouTube. Um, and, you know, the general suggestion that that disclosure be at the beginning uh, clear and prominent so that the viewers uh, can observe it, read it, and so forth. But, yeah, depending on the social media, you know, let's talk about, I guess, a few different examples. Um, disclosures still need to occur. And so one that people often say to me is, well, Twitter, 140 characters. Um, mm. How do I make this disclosure? Um, and the, the FTC has fortunately provided even a little bit of guide, guidance in this area. Um, sometimes even simply starting with a hashtag ad or sponsored <laughs> hashtag ad is only <laughs> three characters, um, at least put uh, the followers on notice that this tweet is not just a, uh, the opinion of the individual, but is in fact an ad or sponsored. Um, comments, I would say, generally aren't as strong or as good of a place to put that disclosure just as in uh, YouTube, because it's very easy for consumers to, to miss that disclosure or uh, glance over it. So Twitter in the tweet uh, is probably the best practice there. Uh, Instagram, people, same thing. Where, where do I put it? Well, you, it, uh, to the extent, you know, uh, you could put it on the picture, that's great. But again, either a hashtag or making it in the description because on, on Instagram, there's just pictures. The description is the only place you can put potentially text. Um, would at least put a greater notice to the consumer uh, of that relationship. So um, those would be two suggestions. Blogs, um, you know, if just written text, sometimes just saying, you know, the company uh, ABC provided me this product to try for free. Sometimes even that is sufficient. Um, but at sometimes it's not. If they provide you the product for free, but then they gave you 
thousand dollars as well, you have to disclose that relationship as well. Hmm. Um, any other social media that I, I didn't hit on? Facebook. Face, Facebook. Facebook. So, um, you know, again, to the extent possible, if it could be included in the picture, um, you know, so if you could include sponsored by or provided by X and Y company in the picture, um, that would, I would, I would say is the best practice. Um, but otherwise in the description somewhere that it could be, uh, prominent and viewed by the individuals that are following you. Interesting. Interesting stuff. One quick question. And I see we're coming up against the clock here. What about the use of testimonies? And I'm going to assume legitimate testimonies, but we're not talking fake. We've seen a lot of fake testimonies out there. But what advice could you offer in the area of using testimonials? Real ones, sure. of well, course. Well, the general advice I would have in all these cases is uh, disclose more than less if you're uh, concerned. Uh, more is always better. Um, and again, you know, if you're making a testimonial and you're provided the product, you need to disclose that relationship. Um, if you are paid, you need to disclose it. And at the beginning of the article, um, in the same font and so forth, um, not italicized at the bottom five paragraphs lower or buried within, um, but disclose that relationship right away as well. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't make a, a testimonial. Um, if, in fact, you love a product, you can say so, but if you're paid to, uh, in addition, you need to make that um, aware to the consumers. However, if you were paid uh, for a testimonial and you didn't like the product, you can't say that this product was wonderful. Uh, that would be deceptive to the consumers. Yeah, yeah. I can see uh, we are definitely out of time. Take a moment, if you would, and uh, share your contact information or where our listeners can reach out uh, to your law group. Sure. You could uh, find out more information about us at gordonlawltd.com, gordonlawltd, as in limited.com, or 847 847- Five eight zero one two seven nine. Uh, always available and happy to answer any questions. And I do understand you're going to be uh, at Affiliate Summit uh, in New York in about ten days. Yes, we will be there. Um, I'll be there Saturday to Tuesday. Um, I'll be at a number of the events. So uh, feel free to contact me also on Facebook, Andrew Gordon, uh, and uh, happy to meet and connect. Wonderful, and I look forward to. I'll do exactly that. I look forward to seeing you, seeing you there. And uh, we are definitely out of time. If there's anything Andrew mentioned here today that you missed, keep in mind that we do take all the show notes for you, and you can find the notes for this episode at jamesmartell.com forward slash ab four three one. And a uh, reminder that if you'd like to be alerted each week to new episodes, I invite you to subscribe to the Affiliate Buzz by sending a blank email to affiliate underscore buzz at aweber.com. Andrew. Thanks again. And to our listeners, thanks for listening to another edition of the Affiliate Buzz. Absolutely. Thank you. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.